particular lesson tonight. I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon, or maybe you have, those of you who've been in the church for a while, entitled The Food We Eat. I, I want to hit, you know, they say that, that as a minister, you need to kind of hit on a subject that's in people's minds, you know, and uh, we talk about freedom on the 4th of July, so on and so forth, and so um, this would be an appropriate time in my mind to speak about this because we've just come through recently what we termed a, as the holiday season, you know, basically from Thanksgiving to New Year. And what do we generally do during that time? And, you know, it's meant to be a reminder of our abundant blessings that we have and that we should be very, very grateful. But during this time, brethren, there's one thing we do really well, and that is eat. You know, we have Thanksgiving meal, and then Christmas, and then New Year's, and, and, and then, of course, last night, and the, and the reason for this particular lesson now is last night, many of you attended our uh, annual chili cook-off. We want to um, thank everybody that, that participated in that in any way, and many of you did. That's what makes it go off so well, and we had a, a, a good number here and a good time, and we really appreciate everybody that was able to make it out, um, and uh, brethren, I guarantee you, nobody went away from that hungry. Did we feast last night? We, in fact, we indulged. In fact, I, I dare say some of us might have borderline gluttony. But, but you know, we, nobody went away hungry. If they did, it was our own fault. And brethren, as much as we ate, and, and I was watching, I put, I put a good bit away, and a lot of other people did too. There, wasn't, there, there was still a good bit left over. We could have still fed a whole lot more people. Um, let me just bring this up. This is a little bit off the point, but let me bring this up, brethren. Sometimes somebody will forget about something like that, like maybe a family day or something, and, 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 and we'll say, please stay and eat with us. And they'll say, Brother Green, I just forgot about it, and I didn't bring a dish. Brethren, it, th those few times you forget, stay, because, you uh, listen, you, you ain't going to eat us out, a house and home, okay? We have plenty. We always do. So please don't let that stop you from enjoying good Christian fellowship with your brothers and sisters. We always have plenty, and we certainly did last night, and we always do, brethren. I know there's times, and, 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 I, and I know this is the, the nature of a lady, you know. We'll, we'll have like a funeral or something, and, 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 and there's always that question, well, will we have enough? And brethren, I I don't know. Maybe some of y'all can testify otherwise, but in all my days of Christianum and all the churches I've been involved in, I've never seen us run out. God blesses us. And, and so uh, during that time we eat, and like last night and during the holidays, we feast, we indulge, we devour. And we really do, brethren. But I want us to understand that we, and by we I mean us Americans, we are among a few blessed exceptions in the world to be able to eat like that. Do you know that? Beloved, did you know that the average person the last couple of years in Venezuela has lost over 30 pounds and that they're literally eating dogs and whatever else they can scrounge up in the street because of socialism? Do you understand that? There are people in this world that while we were feasting last night don't know where their next meal's coming from. And so we have truly been blessed. And that's why I want to talk about that because food is one of those things. The necessities of life is one of those things that, that shows us how much we've been blessed. That's why God would oftentimes make mention of it, or the scriptures would make mention of it in, in um, people being blessed. It said, you know, that they would become, quote, fat. Now, they didn't use that term the way we do, but meaning they had plenty to eat, and that was a great blessing. And so, brethren, we have been blessed tremendously. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said that we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And in that day, brethren, the most that they could hope for a lot of times was a day's portion of bread. Many people would work all day to buy enough food to, to feed their family for that one meal for that day. 
And so they really understood that. And, uh, and this was taken, of course, from Exodus, where God provided manna and then later on quail for the children of Israel, his people, and he wanted them to trust him explicitly. And so he said, you, you collect only enough for the day. Now, now, on the Sabbath, he would allow them to collect enough for that. But any other day, if they collected more than what they were going to eat that day, what happened to it? It spoiled, and it had worms in it. Exodus 16 tells us about that. Now, brethren, today we're blessed to shop and then to store food for weeks and months ahead, you know. You can go to Sam's, and you can get them big old packages of stuff, you know, and you come home, you stick them in the refrigerator, in the freezer or whatever. I have, for most of my life, grown a garden, and in the summertime, or the, what we would do is the crop would get ready to come in is we would usually have to clean out the freezer to make room for the new garden produce because we couldn't eat it all in a year's time, even back when my kids were youngsters and ate all the time. Our refrigerators are so full that we in America regularly throw away what we call spoiled food. Y'all had to do that? They don't have that problem in a lot of other countries, brethren. And, 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 we, and so we do. The most frequent health problem amongst America's poor is obesity. It shows you how blessed we are. And we Americans are some among some of the greatest of those who are blessed in our world today. This was driven home to me one time. This has been a few years back, but I had a young lady from Thailand, in my, a foreign exchange student at Georgia Christian, in my Bible class. Her name was Nam. And we were talking one day, and she said to me, she said, Mr. Green, I'm overweight. And I looked at her. She wasn't no bigger than a squirrel. And I said, Nam, how much do you weigh? She, and she said with some disgust and frustration, I'm up to 105 pounds. She said, Miss Green, I've been in the U.S. for eight months, and I've gained weight. And she said that's the most she had ever weighed. And I tried to explain to her that, that she was not overweight by any stretch of the imagination, but she insisted. She said, in my country, they would call me fat. At 105 Beloved, <laughs> uh, we're blessed. We're very, very blessed. So what about the food we eat? What's the Bible have to say about that, okay? Brethren, we truly do live in a land of plenty. We live in a rich environment in so many ways. We live in a system in our country that allows for cheap distribution of food, and, and food is among one of the cheapest things that we buy. And, and I know, you know, we complain sometimes we go to groceries or a loaf of bread costs that much or a gallon of milk costs that much. It's a lot cheaper than in other countries. And, and so we just kind of get used to that. And so uh, we, we are so very, very blessed in that. But brethren, even more so than that, and this is what I want to talk about tonight and what Edward sang about, even more so than that, even better than that, the Bible says that we have a greater feast that we're blessed to be able to participate in on a very regular basis. And, um, and so that's what I want to talk about because, you know, there's a big debate in our society and has been for a while over what to eat, you know, the good foods, the bad foods, you know, and you'll see these different diets come along that get popularity for some time, you know, um, and. And, and, you know, they, there's the argument, I guess, between low carbs and high protein and, 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 and there's the Mediterranean diet and the, and the uh, what, what's the other one, the, the, uh, the South 
Florida Beach, South Beach diet or something like that, and the Weight Watchers diet, and, and you know, all, all these different plans. I'm on the seafood diet. You know, and, uh, but, but there's all the, you know, what, what's the best to eat, you know? And so, brethren, the Bible tells us, though, that we have a very rich feast. Look at in John chapter 6, okay? Um, no, no, I'm sorry. Before we get there, okay? I'm, I'm about to jump ahead, and I don't want to do that. This is... Um, Something better than bread. And this is where God first introduces it. In Deuteronomy 8, we're going to look at verses 2 and 3 and then verses 7 through 14. So if you're there, uh, uh, I should have mentioned to be turning there. But in Deuteronomy 8, uh, this is God getting ready to take uh, his people into the promised land. And um, he says um, in verse 7, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. All these things were blessings, really good things. Verse 9, a land where, um, man, I'm getting ahead of myself, brethren. I'm sorry. You ever do that? You ever run ahead? (laughs) And it's not good. Okay, let's start back at verses 2 and 3, like I said, okay? I know you're looking up and saying, he missed verses 2 and 3, right? (laughs) Okay, let's start back where we need to. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Listen to this, brothers and sisters, verse 3. He humbled you and let you be hungry. And led you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, let's start with verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. Uh, Brethren, they say if you eat that stuff, you're going to be on a really good diet. But anyway, uh, it's been called the the biblical diet or the spiritual diet. Verse 9, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron and out of the whose hills you can dig copper. For when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Now, brethren, he gives a contrast. That's what we're supposed to do because of all of the blessings, including the food that he says we're going to have to eat. Now, verse 11, though, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinance and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land, uh, out of the house of slavery. Brothers and sisters, you see what he's saying there? He said, don't ever forget those blessings. Don't ever forget it is where you, your food comes from. And, 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 and don't ever say, as he gonna, if, you, if you read the rest of that chapter, he really, he really builds on that and how we need to be humble and appreciate and understand that everything we have comes from God, including the food that we eat. And we need to know that. And we need to understand that. Now, in John chapter 6, Jesus talks about this. He says, man don't live by bread alone. But in John chapter 6, Jesus gives us 
the New Testament version, I guess, that, and introduces himself as one of the many things that he refers to himself in. Um, the uh, scribes and Pharisees are, of course, uh, questioning him, and they bring up this idea about, you know, our fathers, uh, God gave our fathers manna in the wilderness to eat, and Jesus uh, takes off from that, and um, he's just fed the 5,000 at the beginning of the chapter. And in John 6, we're going to read these verses that's up here, beginning with verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven, which gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. I, I agree. Man, that, that's the kind of bread we want, right? And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Now, he, he, he deals with some things that they're wrong about, and then he picks up that same theme for our lesson tonight in verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of all the world is my flesh. And then verse 58, brethren, he picks it up again. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers are, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. So, brethren, we're familiar with this section of Scripture where Jesus says here, you know what, I'm the bread of life. And, and so we need to understand that, brothers and sisters. We have a rich feast that we can have every, every time, not only every time we meet together, but every time we open God's Word. Jesus Christ is the bread of life, and we're going to see also that the Bible says that God's Word is the bread of life. Man shall not live by just bread alone, the physical bread, the manna that God provides for us, but every word from, uh, from Him, okay, which is in His Bible. And we've all seen tables that were spread with some food, more food than we can ever hope to sit and eat in a single sitting, right, brethren? We've all been there. Uh, last night was one good example of that. And we also, the riches of God's Word are that abundant and that fulfilling. Now you just go through and read how the Bible describes God's Word. Psalms 119, just, just verse after verse, you know, talks about how wonderful it is and how abundant it is how, and how overwhelming it is, you see. And so, brethren, the Bible tells us that, that God's Word gives life for the dead, light in the darkness, hope for the hopeless, as Jesus said, eternal life we can have. Brethren, it's more powerful than, than a two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12 tells us. And the Word of God is. The Bible is the Word of God, brothers and sisters. It's delivered by men of God for the children of God so that we can obey it. And so we have a great feast, not only in the bread of life, but in the Word of our Heavenly Father, brethren. And, and so you know what happens, though? And, and so man's second point is destroyed oftentimes, as the Bible says, for lack of knowledge, right? And, and that's where the Matthew, uh, Matthew 4, 4 that was just up there, okay? And man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, brethren. And a lot of times we don't know that. 
The Paul tells Timothy that we, God's people, are to study to show ourselves to prove of God so that we can rightly divide the word of truth, so that we can be able to give an answer to all men who ask for the hope that we have in us. We need to be studying God's word, brethren. And, and you know what? We need to gather together to study it. The Bible makes that. That's a command of God. We, we have what we call Bible class on Sunday morning, on Wednesday evening, you know, where we can get together as God's people, as the ecclesia, and study God's word together. And then, uh, of course, um, <clears throat> we can have sermons and, and, and study God's word that way. But brethren... The Bible says we also have a responsibility to feed ourselves, amen? We, and we need to be feasting on God's word. We need food to live on. We understand that. God said that when he was making the contrast between the manna and, and the bread of life, as Jesus did also in John chapter 6, brethren. We've got to have food to live on if we're going to survive. If we don't eat, our physical bodies are eventually going to starve to death. There have been many in our world that have absolutely done that. We need food to live, but we need God's word to live forever. That's why Romans 1.16 talks about, verses 16 saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, that's God's word, brethren, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And he goes on to say, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, from faith to faith, as it is written, by, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Brethren, we need to be in God's word and to know God's word. Romans ten seventeen says that uh, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ or the word of God. And so that's how we do that. And, and we see so many examples of that, of God's people being destroyed in the ignorance of God's word. Hosea 4, verse 6 says that, right? For my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Brethren, it's not that we can't have that knowledge. We have it. I would dare say most of us have more than one Bible in our house. Do you, would you agree with that? And, and so it's not like we don't have it. In other countries, they're having a hard time getting God's word, but they're determined to get it anyway. And even if it's on the, what they call the black market or illegal in that country, you know, they're determined to get that. But we see examples of that, brothers and sisters, that, that people are destroyed. I've had people that's been in the Lord for 40 years and tell me that they do not know how to lead somebody to Christ. They would not know how to open God's word and lead them through the scriptures and, and guide them in what the scripture says to do to be saved. Is there not something wrong with that, brethren? I'm serious. Is there not something wrong with that? And, and so then we need to be studying. We have a feast. And so we need to be involved in that. If we don't study, the Bible says we're going to be ignorant, which means unknowing, lack of knowledge, and we're going to be, uh, be ignorant and unable to teach others, brethren, which the Bible says we need to be ready to do. We're going to be ignorant of salvation. We're going to be ignorant of God's will in our life. You know, a lot of times, you know, I just don't know which direction God would have me to do or go in. Brothers and sisters, pray about it, but study his word because a lot of times you study God's word and the answer's there. God's word is written for us. It's living and powerful. And, and, and so, it, you know, we'll be ignorant of God's will for our life. There's life at the table, brothers and sisters, and, and we need to eat of it, Right? We need to feast. What does 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, the first three verses say, okay? And again, these are verses that you're going to be very, very familiar with. Um, in 1 Peter 2, 
verses 1 through 3, okay? Uh, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and, le- and, and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babes, long for, some are going to say desire, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Brethren, do you long for God's word? Do you long for it? Do you desire it, you know? Uh, you know, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, Jesus said, for they shall be filled. That's the way we need to do. Just as we would come to something like last night or a Thanksgiving or a New Year's meal or whatever the special occasion is, we need to be and, and ready to feast and ready to eat, you know. We need to be have that same attitude towards and even more so towards God's precious word. So, brethren, when we come to God's table, we need to eat hearty. And God invites us to do that, as a matter of fact. We need to eat hearty because God has spread a rich table before us, literally a feast for his children in his word. And we can either sit at the table or eat, or we can turn away and perish, right? You know? Have you ever just sat at a table and you just didn't really feel like eating for whatever reason and you just turned away all the delicious food that was in front of you? No, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what, brothers and sisters? We, we have it there. We have this abundance there. But you know what we have? We have anorexic Christians. We have Christians who, who, uh, who the, the food is right there before them. But they don't partake. They don't eat. And, and so then we're literally starving spiritually. And so we need to feast, brothers and sisters. We need to eat hearty if we're truly thankful for God's uh, message of salvation. Then we need to study it and live it. And if we're truly thankful, we need to obey it and share it, right? That's what we need to do. Let me give you one more verse, Luke chapter 14. Verses 15 through 24. And this is an invitation that Jesus gives for us to come and to feast. And we'll be closed with this, okay? In Luke chapter 14, beginning of verse 15, Jesus talks about the parable of the guest, and in verse 7, he begins there. And, um, and so uh, in, in verse 15, after he explains it, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard him, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, again, uses this as a teachable moment, and he says to him, but he said to him, a man was given a big dinner, and he invited many. That's what we do when we do anything here, right? And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Some verses say all things are ready. Come to the feast. That's where we get the song from. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land. I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Buddy, if you bought a piece of land without looking at it, <laughs> never mind. All right. And another one said, I have brought a yoke of oxen, five yoke. Man, this, that's a rich farmer, brethren. That'd be like Ken's and I did. Bought me three John Deere tractors, man. Brand spanking new. Dual wheels, air-conditioned cab. You know, he said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to go try them out. Please consider me excused. Brethren, again, these are feeble excuses. 
I don't know of anybody that buy a car without a test driving it. Well, there probably are some folk that do that, but I'm not one of them. And another one said, I have married a wife, and for this reason I cannot come. <laughs> Boy, that's one. Okay, and the slave came back, and he reported this to his master. And then the master says, you know what, those are legitimate excuses, and I understand people get busy, and if they don't want to come to my feast, and that's okay, right? Is that what the master said, brethren? No, I'm glad you're paying attention, okay? The head of the household became angry and said to the slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you've commanded has been done, and still there is room. Brethren, you're never going to get enough of God's word. You can't. You can, you can study it and study it and study it, and there'll still be more room. Amen? There's going to be plenty. We can feast. We don't have to worry about overindulging when it comes to this, okay? And the master, verse 23, said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Isn't that a shame, beloved? He says, The feast is ready. You've been invited. Come and feast heartily. Come and partake of every bit that you can and continue to partake. And there'll be people that will make excuses and that will turn him down. Brethren, that's a shame. We need to be careful not to do that. If anyone here tonight is not a Christian friend, you're being invited. You're being invited to come to the greatest feast ever and eat the bread of life and get right with your heavenly Father, you know? Brethren, someone has said one time that Christians are former beggars who have discovered a great feast, and they're simply inviting their fellow beggars to the feast. I like that. I like that. And that, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the way it is? So, friend, listen, we're not here, you know, you know where are these people found this great feast, and, 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 you know, they have gotten so wise and wonderful. And, no, no, we're just, we found the feast, and now we just want to share it with you. Brethren, isn't that what all Christians should want to do? Let's be determined to do that. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation this evening, all things are ready. Come to the feast while we stand and sing.